Hi, and welcome. You're listening to the Church Renewal Podcast from Flourish Coaching. Flourish sets ministry leaders free to be effective wherever God has called them. When pastors and churches feel stuck, our coaches refresh their hope in the gospel and help them clarify their strategy. I'm the host of the Church Renewal Podcast, Alan Edwards, Director of Operations at Flourish. You know, church renewal isn't about gimmicks to get people in the door or a specific program. It's about a fundamental shift in the way Christians see themselves and the changed lives that flow out of that. Today on the podcast, we're exploring how the good news of our adoption through Christ renews our churches. Churches are renewed when congregations have a fresh experience of their identity as sons and daughters of the King. How do you see yourself? Are you a slave or a son? How does your identity change the way you act, think, and feel? We'd love to hear your thoughts. So follow us on Twitter at FlourishCoach1. That's FlourishCoach and the number one. Find us on Facebook at Flourish Coaching or on the web at flourishcoaching.org. Our executive director, Matt Bowling, joins us today to talk about a renewed sense of our identity as sons and daughters of God. So come on, let's dig in and explore the ways that Jesus is renewing his church. All right, Matt, welcome back to the Church Renewal Podcast. Today, we're talking about the doctrine of adoption, the idea that it is a privilege for us to be sons and daughters of God, and that that privilege permeates churches that are being renewed. Absolutely. Are you excited to talk about adoption Absolutely. today? Absolutely. I am. To talk about it. Yeah, this is great. I know it's one of your favorite doctrines. It so is. I know you're excited about it. Yeah. I mean, I, I can say about 10 years into my walk with Jesus, I was pretty convinced that God was disappointed that I had said the sinner's prayer. <laughs> and it, why, um, why is that? devastating if you think God's disappointed in you. Sure. I mean, it just makes you feel like, um, say, I, I would say back then I thought my mentality was I was saved by grace, but I have been kept by my good works and I have not done enough good works. And God is just severely disappointed in me. And um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's soul crushing. It's not the same thing as being humbled. No, because it's because it's a denial of something very true about God, which is that he delights to call us sons. He has adopted us. It might be humiliated, though. Yes. Which is a very different experience than being humble. Well, and I'll say that my um, my ability to walk faithfully with God in my personal life, in my personal sin struggles, multiplied by by huge factors when I started to get my head around this idea that I was adopted and loved by God mm. versus when I thought God was severely disappointed with me and I just had to try harder to make him happy with me. Mm. Um, so, so let's talk about this both personally, but then also broadly for the church. Matt, what's, what's your experience with, with this doctrine of adoption, with this idea of the privilege of being sons and daughters of God? What's, what's your personal interaction with that been? Yeah, so adoption sits within um, one of, if you were to put, you know, uh, the gospel and its fruits as sort of a big heading, adoption is one of those subheadings underneath it. Um, adoption is trying to, to talk about this idea that God receives us as his children into his family. And this can be hard for some people. It, it was um, is a wonderful doctrine for me. I, I grew up in a family that didn't know the Lord. Um, but it was uh, it was very stable. Both of my parents had come from somewhat abusive backgrounds, and they were thoughtful about the way they went around parenting. 
my brother and I. And so when I came to understand adoption, um, it was this experience of going, my family was good and enjoyable, um, but it was the shadow and this was now the reality uh, of being brought into God's family. And that, you know, if you have a sense of your own sinfulness and you have a sense that you've genuinely been adopted into God's family for the sake of Christ, what it can do is produce, and it ought to produce, is amazement and um, and real humility that God wanted me in his family, but there was no hope for me to get into his family based on me. And so he sends his only son mm-hmm. so that everything could be done that I could come into his family. Yeah. Jesus takes on flesh forever so I can find a place in the family of God. Yeah. That's crazy love to use yeah. Francis, the title of Francis Chan's book. That is crazy love. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I can just, even in the way you're talking about it, I can imagine the ways that if if a group of people together get a hold of that idea in a church, yeah, that it would change the way they think about themselves as a group and as a people, that, that a spirit would kind of permeate that group of people. Mm-hmm. When if I'm looking at my congregation and I'm trying to diagnose, do we get the privilege that it is to be sons and daughters of God? What are some of the fruits that I might see that tell me, no, we're not getting it? We this is not the spirit that's permeating our church. We need renewal in this area. Sure. I think that the biggest the negative diagnostic to say that people are not getting this is they can't accept others. Okay. So if they have a hard time getting along with other Christians that maybe are different than them, right, or different stages of discipleship than them, if they're um, critical of non-Christians and they they can't um, they can't bear to be with people that that don't know the Lord and they're difficult to be with, um, that really what what they're evidencing is I can't accept other people because I don't have a real sense that I've been accepted. Mm. But if I've been accepted. And that's stable. Then I have this well to draw from, this well of acceptance that I can draw from because I've been accepted. I can accept you, right? So if I find that that my people can't be accepting of other people, um, no matter what the kind of difference is, uh, that evidence is that they don't understand that they've been accepted, that sure. they've been adopted, they've been received sure. into the family. So if if... Our church is getting their identity from we've got the best music or we've got the best program. We're better than the other church. You we've got the chip best on the theology. Shoulder, right? Yeah, that's kind of a presumption um, rather than seeing my adoption as a privilege. Right. So that's kind of going one way. What, what about going the other way? Where I was as a young Christian was in this place of just denying the goodness of adoption. So instead mm. of being presumptive, I was this like shrunken, shriveled, you know, it was... It was, no. it, was a, it was it was the other direction. What does that look like when it takes hold in a congregation? People, um, they sort of shrivel up inside, right? That that they're the gospel becomes this really small, not really awesome thing, and it's not. It ends up not working for them. Um, it's very sad um, because people end up um, insecure. Insecurity can show up in different kinds of ways. It, it, it can show up in sort of a superior form where I kind of puff myself up and 
push other people away, or it can show up in sort of an inferior form where I, I, I think of myself as less than other people and unworthy and full of mm. shame. Instead of having this stable sense of self that uh, I know I don't deserve it, but God has me in his family. Right. And that's mind-blowing. Right. So a good apprehension of my adoption produces a God-wrought security. Yes, absolutely. And in my insecurity, I might either puff myself up in presumption. Or, or knock other people down. Right. Knock yeah, other we'll people down, down, puff myself, myself up. up. Yep. Or another way insecurity comes out is what we might even call a false humility. Yes. It's not real humility. Mm-mm. It's still me standing on my own merits and thinking I don't measure up. Yes. So these are both kinds of insecurity, but but the gospel the, the gospel of our adoption, this thing that can change our congregation and the way we interact with each other in our community, creates this humble confidence in us. Right. Because we know I'm a son or daughter of the king. That's who I am. So let me, I'll add one more thing. Yeah, sure. The inferior to superior thing is really important. The superior person says, there's a standard and I've met it. Why aren't you? Mm. The inferior person says, there's a standard and I haven't met it. But I sure wish that I had. Mm. And so there's this, this, um, this, this regret, this, um, uh, I'm trying to think of the words to put this shame and, and neither of them are stable. Mm-hmm. The superior person's always having to knock other people down and boot themselves up so they can be, think that they're okay. And the inferior person, they've got no stability at all, right? They, they, don't, they, they know they don't have a secure place to stand on their own. And both of them need to come to Christ and say, this is the only secure place to stand. That if I'm in Christ, then what I have... One of the aspects of being in Christ is um, God draws me into his family. Mm-hmm. And that's the most amazing thing on the planet. Yeah. So let's talk about, I mean, you, you've you've been just in the way you're talking about this, helping me think through what, what does it look like when a person gets a hold of this. But let's let's think about a church. We've, we've said in this podcast that church renewal, part of, part of the renewal of our churches, the revitalization of our churches is regaining a balance between our care and development of the people within our body mm-hmm. and our care for and our love for our neighbors outside the body. Right. How does a new awareness of our privileges, sons and daughters, affect the way we as Christians go out and interact with the de-churched, the unchurched, the non-believer? How does... How does our adoption affect us rebalancing, right? Because we could just get all t- torked up in, I'm adopted, I'm adopted, I'm adopted. Isn't How great? great is that? Yeah, we are adopted. We're so great. How does it rebalance us to renew our church, to love our neighbor, and to reach the unreached? So left by itself, I think it's very hard to be balanced, but mirrored or matched up with what we talked about last time in terms of being ambassadors, right? So we've been brought into the family not simply to experience the benefits of being in the family, right? But to extend the benefits of the family, right? So when we put mm-hmm. the two of those together, if I've sensed my own acceptance by, by God, my, my adoption by God, then I have this well to draw from. And as I go out as an ambassador for Christ, right? I find myself being willing because I'm humbled that God would receive me into his family. 
I'm willing to go out and to seek others that they might be received in the family of God. And so that it, it gives me a well to draw from, mm-hmm. right? So that I have love for other people. I can accept people that are different than me, um, that are imperfect, that, um, yeah, it's funny. Sinners sin, and they're yeah. difficult people to be with. Yeah. Um, but that's who I was. Mm-hmm. And that's why the Father had to send the Son for me, because I was that difficult person, right? Yeah. And so I go out with that love to difficult people, because, well, that's how God got a hold of me. Yeah. And he does it through people. Every single time, he does it through people. If I'm the pastor or elder or deacon in a church that is languishing, that is struggling, that is in in the old you know in the in the worst case scenario that's on the brink of collapse right, right. sure so a a, a a a a critical an acute situation mm-hmm. i think i'm going to hear you say well to renew your church you need to focus on the doctrine of adoption and i'm going to say whoa to renew my church i need to double our rummage sale because we don't have enough money to keep the lights on and i need to get some money for an ad campaign just to get some people in the door um what do you say to the church member or to the pastor who says no, this isn't what I need. I need, I need the acute, you know, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta turn this ship around or it's going to sink. What does adoption, what does my privilege as a son or daughter say to me in, in that situation? So I think that a, a lot of times we see things as either or instead of both and. Okay. It, it could be that it would make sense to do a rummage sale to raise some money so that you can keep the lights on. That, that may be just a reality of what's needed in that moment, but it should not, and it should never be the only thing because the thing that Jesus has called us to is the discipleship of people and the discipleship of people always focuses. It it, it exists on a spectrum. I'll have to publish that diagram that I read on the whiteboard sometime, but, but I think that it, it just, the discipleship continue. If you look at the great commission, that's what Jesus has called every single congregation to be about. Right. And and so Jesus' interest is that people who start off as, as unbelievers at a certain point because of the friendship and the relationship that they have with believers come to a point where they trust in Christ. They begin that walk of repentance and faith. And then they keep walking in that direction, growing, developing under the gospel, under this doctrine of adoption, so they mature as disciples. We can never ever lose sight of that in our in our panic. Go get a second job to support yourself, right? But don't distort church ministry into merely survival. What Jesus calls you to as a pastor is to help these people grow in Christ. That's the point. So that they'll go out and befriend unbelievers. Besides the fact, so we've been doing this thing um, here lately uh, in our ministry, in my preaching, and my teaching um, with clients, with churches, uh, in conferences, where we've been asking people um, to hold up their two hands. So maybe if you're listening, hold up your two hands in the air. Hold 10 fingers in the air. Alan and I are doing it right now while we're broadcasting. 10, ten relationships, 10 relational connections is about what most people can do in their life. Most Christians, most church people, if they've been in any in an area for three or four years, have filled up their 10 connectors. And they filled them up with people that they go to church with or other Christians in their community. And part of the movement for a church that needs to be renewed is because they have this sense that I've been adopted by God and I'm sent by God as an ambassador of his to people that don't know Jesus. 
is to make room for unbelievers in their lives, to make room in their family for people that don't know Jesus. To give up a couple of those fingers. Yeah, so what we say is to take the ten and kind of squish them into seven. It doesn't mean that you begin to exclude people, but it means that maybe you spend a little bit less time with family or with your Christian friends, and you free up maybe three relational connectors for people that don't know Jesus. And and you begin to get to know them in a way uh, where you're, you're actually friends with them. How do you know when you're actually friends with somebody? It's when they introduce you to their friends. That's when you know that you're friends. And so imagine, um, pastor, if you're listening to this, or elder or individual Christian, imagine if in your church, every person had three connections to people that didn't know Jesus. And you began to pray for those people by name, that they would come to know Jesus, that they would come into the family of God, just like we've been received by adoption to the family of God. That changes a church. So it's not just my sense that I've been adopted, but it's it's the sense that I've been adopted. That creates humble confidence in me. I know I am sent to welcome others into the family. I can't tell you how many times I've been invited into someone's home and they delight to share their family's food with me. Right. It's that sense. Yeah. We have got great food and we want you to come and taste it in Absolutely. our family meal. And what's important about that is that the gospel has to be working for you as a believer before you're going to joyfully give it away. And that's why we focus on this doctrine is that this is one of those kind of really key places where if I have the sense I've been adopted in the family of God, I'm securing it because of Christ and what he's done. I want to follow him in repentance and faith, walk out the Christian life, and I want other people to experience this. And that's the movement in the heart. So as we kind of close up our conversation today, if I'm a person in the pews, if I'm out there trying to get a sense of my own identity in Christ, and I want to have a a personal renewal of my sense as an adopted son or daughter of God, um, if I'm a pastor and I want to give that to others, pastors, we probably want it for ourselves too, but sure, absolutely. um, where would you turn? Where what 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 would help shape your thinking? Are there particular resources or articles out there that you might recommend? Yeah, so I think we'll put all these in the show notes, and we may not remember to mention all of them that we add later. But um, certainly one of the ones that's very interesting that's out there because it's not just teaching you the doctrine of adoption, but actually giving you um, an application of it. Uh, Russell Moore has a book on uh, that called Adopted for Life, and so he teaches you the doctrine of adoption. And shows you how that would lead Christians out uh, into involvement, say, in the foster care system and into adoption, which actually Alan and his wife have done. So they've internalized this doctrine of adoption, and this is part of the way that they've chosen to live um, their lives. It's a wonderful way, actually, um, to live life. There is a, um, there's two books for children that I would read if you want to get your head around the doctrine of adoption. One is a Newbery Award winner, so this is for like an a middle reader, you know, 10 to 13 years old called The Great Gilly Hopkins about a little girl growing up in foster care and being adopted. Wow. And then there's a picture book by Max Lucado called You Are Special about a, a puppet who thinks that his worth and value comes from what everyone else says about him mm. and in the end realizes that it's what the maker says about him. Mm. I know you're probably, if you're a pastor out there and you're like, give me, give me some hard tactical resources, this isn't what you're expecting, but... 
These are two resources that will just fill up your thinking and your heart with the idea of the beauty of our adoption. The one, the one other is that um, a ministry called Surge has produced quite a lot of small group material, and we'll link to the most critical ones. But um, there's a, a three, there's a, a triad of small group material that they've produced. Um, the first of which is called Gospel Identity. And then what they, it, you can go through as a small group, you can go as a, through by yourself as an individual person and study the material, but it's sort of taking you through what is this doctrine of adoption and what are the implications of it? And we really commend that to you. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Matt. Thanks for talking about one of my favorite pieces of scripture today, the doctrine of adoption. Um, if you are looking toward the word, you should definitely dig into the end of Galatians 3, Absolutely. the beginning of Galatians 4. Some beautiful language about the doctrine of our adoption in Paul's letter uh, to the Galatians. We'd really encourage you to, to look at. Yeah, it's, uh, it's funny. When Paul looks at Galatia, and he looks at the fact that they've distorted the gospel, they've been seduced by a false gospel, they think it's about something that they do. Where does he send them? He sends them and says, no, no, you've misunderstood. Mm -hmm. And what you've misunderstood is that because of Christ, you get this you get this title, son of God, daughter of God. Mm -hmm. He sends them to adoption. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, we want to thank you for tuning in today to the Church Renewal Podcast from Flourish. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the topic of adoption and the renewal of our churches. So please reach out. Uh, you can get Matt at Matt at flourishcoaching.org or uh, you can reach out to me, Alan, at flourishcoaching.org. You can find us on Facebook at Flourish Coaching or on Twitter, Flourish Coach One. That's Flourish Coach and the number one on Twitter. Uh, check the show notes for links to some of the resources we've mentioned today. Like and subscribe to our podcast so that other people can hear and participate in this conversation about the renewal of our churches. Once again, thanks for listening to the Church Renewal Podcast. You know, there's only one fully sufficient reason that today dawned. Jesus is still gathering his people and he's using us, the church, to do it. So come along and join us as we dig into the ways that Jesus renews his church.